You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. And if you are tuning in again, welcome back. And lastly, if you find today's episode or any of these episodes of this podcast to be helpful or insightful, please follow and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're using. The more followers and ratings we get, the more we can help people like you. And without further ado, let's get started. I Fix Your Sciatica's purpose is to help folks dealing with sciatic pain relieve their pain without the use of medications or surgery. However, we live in a big world and sciatica pain can actually be caused by many reasons. And unfortunately, there are some cases where I myself cannot help others. And that's why surgery and medications are there. So then that way they can provide the relief that a physical therapist or a movement specialist cannot. And so today's guest has gone through surgery and and we're going to take a deep dive into talking about her journey, experiencing sciatic pain, the decisions that led her to having surgery, and then ultimately what happens after the surgical procedure. And so today's podcast guest is Santana Benitez. I'm so pumped to have you here. Thank you for being on today's episode. Thank you. I'm really happy to share this story with whoever is struggling. <laughs> Yeah. And so let's get right into it. Um, so uh, for you listening out there, um, Santana Benitez, she is a professional chef and travel extraordinaire. I remember when we first met, she was traveling the globe and going through so much of this pain. And so uh, Santana, if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and what got you to the point, like what, what do you kind of walk us through the events of when you started to feel this pain? Okay, well, uh, I would say that I, yeah, I've been professionally cooking since about 2013. That's when I decided to completely shift careers. I left the Air Force. And I was really trying to like start my life new. And so, as you can imagine, <clears throat> running around New York, being a chef, carrying heavy loads, having a very, very active lifestyle. And I don't mean just like busy, you know, with work, but also like working out, running, and also, you know, all my 20s being in the military, my body was used to or what I thought. My body was used to a lot of like hard workouts, kettlebell swings, jump squats, running on concrete and miles pavement, you know? So I would say my back issues have always honestly existed. I would say since I was like 21, 22, I started feeling 
slight irritation in the lumbar sacral area. They would come and go. And then in 2015, it really hit me. I had a really weird, sharp case of sciatica. I was actually, this is 2014. I was working in a restaurant. I was also finishing up an externship. So I was carrying a lot emotionally and physically. And so I had a month of sciatica and I couldn't, I just couldn't believe the kind of pain that sciatica could take you to because I had never experienced nerve pain. I had never broken a bone. I never really experienced any real physical like injury. And I just chalked it up to just a busy lifestyle, carrying heavy bags. It went away after a month and I was like, never again do I want to experience that. Well, I would say uh, July of 2020, which is, makes a lot of sense depending, you know, according to what happened, it was happening in the world and just how everyone was really laying around a lot or really holding a lot emotionally. And so my back just one week, I felt like it just gave out on me and it was really upper, mid and lower back. It was all just really intense for like a month. And then it lifted up and went away. I flew to the States that fall 2020, saw a chiropractor in New York and I was good. I thought I was really good for a while. I started getting back into working out regularly. I mean, working out like four days a week, weights, you know, cardio, that, that bit. So 2020 into 2021, get to summer of 2021 and I start feeling like, oh, I'm going to pick up a weight. And I'm like, that's, that's not normal. So from then on, I started drastically changing, really honestly reducing my movements. Um, I was still busy as a chef and I was still doing like fun nature trips and hikes and things like that, but I wasn't really stretching. I wasn't really getting down to the nitty gritty. Didn't have an MRI at this point. Didn't have anything. I just knew that I didn't feel good. I knew that all my movements felt tender and sore and achy. So this past fall, it got really bad for like two weeks. I was working a retreat as a chef. I was hosting, cooking for people all day, all morning, all night. And it was, I couldn't even turn over in the bed at one point. Like at night, I felt like turning over. I couldn't even bend over to brush my teeth. It was insane. The train ride back from upstate New York, where I was doing it back to DC was torture. And I thought, this is like, this is a whole another level of pain. The next month it eases up. I go to Europe this February, 2022 this year. So three months after that crazy pain, having a great time in Paris, 10 days, walking seven miles a day, just out in the streets, out, get to Germany. I see some friends the following week and I'm starting to feel not so good, but I'm like, mm, let me just pop this bear back in body. <laughs> And I'm not really big into pills, but at that point I was like, I'm just trying to enjoy myself. I'm in Europe. I'm trying to just enjoy this trip, which was only supposed to be about a month. I was going to go to Paris, Germany, and then stay with a, a really good old friend in Italy. I get to Italy, go to Venice. We walk like seven miles that day because it's carnival. And I get home and a couple of days. I start feeling really bad pain, not just in my lower back, but now it's starting to spread. It's in the glute it starts to feel like a burning sensation, like a lot of pain. Then one day it travels down to the back of my thigh then the back of my knee. Then my calves get really tight. Then it goes to my foot. And over a span of like week, two weeks, my foot on the whole route outside, pinky completely numb, burning, tingling sensation. I remember waking up one morning and I was like showering. It was excruciating one morning. I was shocked at the pain that I was experiencing. I had to get out of the shower. I was all soapy. And just wrap up and just lay on the ground. And I was just like, what is my life right now? It was getting towards the point where I was trying to think about a plan to get back to the States. 
but I knew physically that there's no way I can get on a plane like this unless I have my own row where I can fully lay out, which I had going to Paris. It was amazing. It was a late flight going from New York to Paris, had my own row. So I was able to manage that. So I start like, okay, my friend, luckily we're, we're good friends, old friends. He was gone in and out for work, different countries. He's like, stay as long as you want. Love having you here. Do whatever you want. So I had that, that comfort and that, that, freedom to do that, which was great, but it was starting to get scary because I was like, this is getting worse and worse. So I reached out. I started doing research. I found you. I think I want to say I found you like the first week of March, probably. I had been in Italy for about two weeks at this point. And you and I did some really good. I told you my, my, my experience. I did. I didn't have an MRI or any diagnosis at this point, like zero. I just knew that things were off. And honestly, with back pain, you, as you know, it's really difficult to pinpoint what the problem is, what's causing it. You know, sciatica isn't, it's a, it's a, as you know, I'm just sharing with the audience. Sciatica is like a symptom of something, you know, sciatica is not in itself one root cause. It could be your imbalance. You can be misaligned. You could be sleeping out of bed mattress. There's so many things that it's really hard to know if you have a disc herniation. And I used to think foolishly that disc herniations were for people maybe had like a week back, maybe didn't move, didn't have an active lifestyle. I just didn't really know much about it. I just always knew that I heard that disc herniations and pinched nerves and all that were the worst. And when you think of back surgery and back pain, I'm 35, I'm active. I've always been active. I'm like, that's not, no, not me. So you and I start working together and I'm like, you know what? I have hope. Let's get this done. I, I've done your, I read your reviews. Like you were verified and you were really great to work with. And you looked at things that you should have looked at even from a distance. And I really appreciated that. But it just kept getting worse. And I was like, I need to know what's really going on with my body. So I'm in Italy still. Week after week is passing. You know, April's slowly approaching. I finally get an MRI in April, which, to be honest, I want to talk about the healthcare system in Italy. It was really incredible. All I had to do was call a private clinic and just say, hey, I need an MRI. Didn't even need a referral from any doctor. Um, I just called and scheduled one. I was a... I'm a, an American tourist without any insurance to travel. I paid 90, nine zero euros uninsured as an American in, in Europe, in Italy to pay for an MRI. Okay. What would cost thousands of dollars and you'd have to fight your insurance companies and you have to beg for some sort of referral in America. It is, it is really criminal. That is so criminal to me. And I learned a lot about the differences when I started joining these Facebook groups for sciatica and all these Americans were like, I can't get an MRI. I can't get, they're pushing back. Can't get meds. Can't get anything. You have to like prove that your base of your back is split open or something. It's insane. But in Italy, they were like, yeah, one week and a half, two weeks, we got you. It's going to be 90 euros. I was like, this can't be life. Like I had, to, I sent an email back. Like, I just want to be sure that for what I need, it's 90, like nine zero. And they were like, yeah, I go in, get the MRI. It's confirmed. I have a severe disc herniation in my L5, which is compressing the sciatic nerve. I had also tried acupuncture, which normally I've had great success with, and I really love for a myriad of reasons, with a really wonderful Italian acupuncturist, but it would only give me relief for the night. Like I would sleep really well that night because it brought down so much inflammation, but it would just come right back because that nerve is trapped. So I'm trying all the things. I'm trying everything, physical therapy. I'm trying acupuncture. And I'm like getting realistic and to the point, my orthopedic surgeon, the Italian surgeon, he's like, let's try steroid shots in your spine. And I was like, I don't know. you know, it sounded so dramatic. I saw the needle and I'm not even scared of needles. I'm not, I take shots like nothing. I go, I get a shot. 
nothing, nothing happened. No change, no relief, nothing. I go back two and a half weeks later, he comes in from another angle, nothing. Maybe, honestly, an hour, because I had lidocaine in my body. The lidocaine just made me really sick. I threw up a lot and we're driving to Tuscany. So that wasn't very fun. But I was, my friend had to make a bed in the back of his Subaru, like a whole bed where I could lay down like a puppy back there and drive so I could be comfortable. Nothing worked. I get to Tuscany. We had a pool. I'm doing laps. I'm trying to maybe change the neural pathways. I'm learning. I'm trying to learn all these ways to like, you know, get my body to kind of do something. Nothing worked. Now this is the end of April. And I'm like, this is insane. I'm reaching my three month limit. I'm being in Europe. Like I need to get out of here. Finally, I was able to leave on May 8th um, on Mother's Day. And I had a whole row on Lufthansa. Shout out to Lufthansa Airlines. I was able to like literally lay out and sleep and rest my body and really prop up with pillows. And really at that point, I had learned how to sleep with all this pain. And, uh, and also, if you're experiencing a lot of pain and you need to travel, I highly recommend reaching out for the, the disability or um, wheelchair services. It's very, very helpful. They'll get you, they'll get you to the front of lines. You don't have to wait on lines. They'll wheel you around any bags you have. Like I was treated really well from, I would say from Germany to Italy. There was a moment in JFK, which, you know, my, my New York had to come out and I had to let them know like, yo, I need help now, but <laughs> I still had help and I, and even to DC. And so if you're stressed about traveling with pain and it's a real issue for you, I really want to stress Use those services. These airlines are charging you an arm and a leg. Use those services. And also tip people that help you well, that are carting you around. Like, I don't know if it, some people might be offended, but I don't think so. They helped me so much. And I just wanted to show them my gratitude. So it was a really big challenge. I get to DC and as a veteran, I have, I'm connected with the VA healthcare system. So I get, I get, I see my doctor and they're like, look, we're here to give you what you need. Like the VA also, there's others horror stories that some people have, but the VA has always really come through for me. They got me another MRI. I, it got so bad after a month, I went into the ER and within 24 hours, I had been put into surgery. They MRI'd me again. They sent me across to another hospital, the, the hospital MedStar in DC. My neurosurgeon, I did all the research we use. Um, you know, I just consulted with a lot of people and I just felt by that point, it had been, I had been so it would be so debilitating that I was on my stomach for probably 22 hours in a day. I was laying down. I tried to move to medicine ball. I tried to lay outside. Like I did the best that I could. I would prop myself up on the sink to cook, but I could only cook for a little bit. Um, I was really, 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 really limited. And I reached my limit. And so surgery to me was the only option at that point. It was the only option. And I didn't care what anyone said. I didn't care about anyone's opinion. You know, at that point when your body is like, it's, you got to do something. And I have to say, uh, I didn't have any fear. It was so fast tracked. I didn't expect to go into surgery when I went into the ER. I expected just to get some kind of help and assistance. It was so bad. And they pushed me through. I mean, obviously with my consent, they pushed me through and I got into the, the private ho a hospital at 10 PM. They got me into a room. They got all my vitals, whatever. And by 8 a.m., 9 a.m., they were getting me in pre-op. Pre and I met the whole team. I felt really comfortable. The nurses were amazing. The doctor had really, really good reviews. And, and uh, people spoke really highly of him around the hospital, too, because I was asking all the questions. At this point, I was like queen of research. 
And I ended up getting a discectomy and a laminectomy because I had some stenosis as well. So stenosis is when, you know, the, for those who aren't sure what that is, that's when there's some narrowing of the spinal cave, I guess, cave, I guess you call it. So it makes it really easier for nerves to get trapped and for this to happen again. And so before I went in, he explained that to me. He's like, I'm going to do this. You know, I knew everything, what was going to happen step-by-step in the surgery. So I felt very comfortable and very reassured. And so that was really a huge blessing for me. I wake up from surgery and I immediately, and it was, it was about two and a half hours um, before I went in. I remember all I remember was like, this is the point in the movie where you pass out. Right. And then I pass out, <laughs> I come up. Two and a half hours later, your throat's going to be very sore because they intubate you. Very, very sore throat. I immediately felt my foot again. There was no miss. The pain leg was gone, but I felt an excruciating amount of pain at the incision. But as I look up, one of the nurses is injecting fentanyl into my IV. And immediately the pain goes away. And I, I knew, and I want to get into medications too. I, I obviously want to take a breath of air to give you some, some a time, I mean, a chance to ask me questions. I know I'm just rambling on. But um, I, after that fentanyl drip, I took no more medicine. That was the last, like, intense anything that I took. And I probably continued taking ibuprofen maybe three days after surgery, maybe two days. Um, I went home that night. They wanted me to stay overnight, but I had done the research. I felt good. I knew outpatient um, was very possible with this. And to be really, I was very nauseous because of the lidocaine. And I just needed, I know my body, I needed really solid food. They kept trying to give me like pudding and jello. I know they want to introduce liquids slowly because I was vomiting, but I was like, trust me, I know my body. I just need to throw this lidocaine stuff about and I need like a meal. So, um, you know, marijuana is legal in DC. So I was able to, I was definitely able to get the nausea away almost instantly when I left the hospital with that, that took any of the like lidocaine away. Um, and I was able to sit down for the first time in months without extreme pain. I was able to just that night going home to my mom's house, I felt 85% better. I felt amazing. And um, things to keep in mind post-surgery, uh, no lifting, bending, or twisting. They called it BLT, bending, lifting, or twisting strictly for six weeks up to six weeks so no no bending so if i dropped anything i would literally either like stop do the knee get down or squat completely down or my spine is neutral i wouldn't lift anything over five i kind of pushed it at like week three to ten pounds and i also would not twist so no more rushing twists if i if i'm i'm gonna sit straight on i'm not gonna like look this way nope my spine everything needs to be very neutral so I was really strict about that. By week six, I was in New York. I left my mom's house. I was able to heal there in DC. I left my mom's house and I made it to New York where I worked. I did a pop-up. It was also a gentle pop-up, but I also wasn't lifting, bending, twisting. But my body started to really, the incision, oh my God, it healed so quickly, so quickly. Um, the stitches eventually fell off fully at like week five. They were sticking out a little bit through my skin. Um, I had no infections. I kept it dry and covered with like the clear steel bandages. Um, and I was just very cautious of how I moved my body. I'm going to be really honest. Um, I would say that definitely there's no leg or neurop neuropathy pain. There's some, some days I feel some soreness behind the knee or I will feel some issues. Like today, my pinky toe also feels a little numb. 
and I'm feeling a little pain on the left side of my body, but it's just more like soreness and maybe like some hip stuff. And really I'm trying to stay positive because I feel like from what I've read is that you still have nerve pain you have to work through. You're still tender. There could be some scar tissue. There's just a lot to really, really be conscious of. And don't, I don't want to like stress myself out. Don't work yourself up into a frenzy of like, is this a failed back syndrome? No, it could be. So that's a real, that's real reality. But no, it doesn't have to be. And I'm, I'm being really, really conscious and really intentional about my movements. And so um, that's really been the journey. Now, medicine, I've always heard horror stories about opioids. I've never, ever taken opiates. It got really bad in Italy to the point where the doctor was very comfortable prescribing me, but very low doses at first. So I started with um, oxycodone, which and it has a blend of another medicine. I forget what it's called, but it's the medicine that counteracts the effects of overdosing on any sort of opiate. So it's supposed to help you digest your food because one thing about opiates is that you will have backups. Like. I'm going to get very clear here. I don't, I'm not ashamed about bodily fluids or movements. It's just, I want everyone to know how this goes down. You can really get like, I'm very regular. Like I've always been regular. I go number two every single day. If I don't, I'm like, something's going on. When I started taking ibuprofen and opiates and things to help with the pain, I would not go to the bathroom like number two for days. It was horrible. Like, and I felt for me that just, I felt so backed up. And so that's something to be very aware of, but the medicine is supposed to help you like, get through that. And it didn't, didn't help my pain very much. And I tried, um, what was this the one after that, that I tried, uh, Trapendol, Tepentadol, something with a T, another opiate didn't help me. Then I switched to liquid, uh, codeine or not liquid codeine. Um, oh my gosh, liquid morphine. It's called Onomorph. And the doctor gave me that because that I really needed something to help me get on my flight and get home. The pain was excruciating at that level. And so as soon as I got to my mother's house, as soon as, and I still have like medicine that the doctor prescribed that I never took just because I'm like, you just never know. As soon as I got there, I stopped everything. I was like, this is, I can't. And honestly, I never really took it to a level. That was a span over three weeks and I never took the dosage too high. I think I never went over like, 20 or 30 milligrams a day of any of those medicines. Cause I was just too paranoid. And I also felt like my sleep was really strange. I was having like sleep hallucinations. I didn't like it. I, I no shame. I'm not shaming anyone who gets addicted to that. I just don't know how you can, cause it's really a nasty experience, you know, and it didn't really help my pain at all. So that's really where I was at with the medicine. And again, after surgery, I stopped. Like I still have Motrin because the VA likes to send you lots of Motrin. It helps for inflammation. Um, but I really was adamant about getting off of that and just really keeping things natural. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the Sciatica Protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? 
Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cause to be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. That was really um, quite the journey, Santana. Thank you so much for sharing. I think um, a lot of people, when they're going through pain, they're they're like, I have no idea what to do. And they start doing research like yourself. And it gets really overwhelming because you type in the word sciatica, you're going to literally find 14 million articles on on things. And so it gets very challenging. And then they... the you know, you have, you, you came up with uh, an amazing journey. Well, we'll start with like the most recent thing. Let's talk about medications. I think medications themselves, uh, they, they definitely do have a huge part and, um, medications are there to really take the edge off the pain. Um, unfortunately, as much as I wish medications could actually go to the source of your pain, your herniated disc, your stenosis, it really addresses the nervous system uh, and in the inflammation aspect as well, which is why you have stuff like opiates and everything. And, you're absolutely right. Like when it comes to taking opiates, a big concern is possible addiction. There are some possible psychoactive effects where you said you had some of those like hallucinations, really intense dreams, but also from like a functional standpoint, it paralyzes, it paralyzes your digestive system. So you're going to be constipated. It's really uncomfortable. And when you get to that point where you are taking medications like this, all you're trying to do is get back to living some sort of normal life. Like you wanted to be able to get back. And so, um, yeah, I think that's one, I mean, there's many, many different factors to the concept of addiction, but a lot of times people who are taking this, these medications are like, I just want to feel a sense of normalcy so I can go back to doing what I'm doing. And And that's how I felt. That's how I felt. I mean, it was, you're absolutely right. Because I remember on some of the worst mornings and this would have, this went on for weeks when I was in Italy solo, I was in a beautiful house, but I was alone. And it was like, thank God I'm a strong person. Cause it was really, really hard. Like I would literally wake up in the morning and I would have to take pills before I could get out of bed just to help with some sort of information. I was in so much pain just to feed myself, wash myself. You know, I even cut my hair, I cut my hair very, very short. Um, and it helped tremendously with just washing my hair, getting it out of the shower. It was anyone listening, you might be at some of your lowest, worst point in that neuropathy, that nerve pain. Like I get it. You want to take whatever. And I'm not discouraging you like, take what you need to take. I'm, I really mean that, but, and also get the surgery, if you need the surgery, but what you're saying is absolutely correct. It's, it comes with a whole set of issues that you have to really decide what is the lesser of two evils. And for me, it was like getting through this pain, dealing with it and getting what I need, getting to the other side without it. And especially for you, I mean, you've gone through this, this is, I mean, I know you said it's only been a couple of weeks where it was like, it got really bad in Italy, but, um, you know, we're looking at February, March, April, and then you had your surgery in May. Is that, is that correct? Um, no, I had my surgery June 17th, oh my a goodness. day I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. So you're, so it's so a, you're February, March, April, May, June, that's five months of it was living, really bad. Yeah. Of, of living in intense pain. And not only was it for a long time and you had bouts of it before, but everything that you did, it didn't matter what stretch didn't matter what position there, there wasn't any sort of relief. Even if you could have found one position that was somewhat comfortable, you were still in a lot of pain yeah. able to maintain that for just a short period of time. And those were some of the indicators of saying, okay, you could be a candidate for surgery. And 
uh, let's talk about the, the procedure, the discectomy and the laminectomy. Um, two very uh, intense surgeries, but you're absolutely right. If your disc is, um, we'll say herniated or bulged out, it was so damaged to the point where it was actually pressing on nerves. Um, and in some cases, we want to make sure that whatever you're feeling also kind of correlates with what you have via an MRI uh, for you listeners out there in previous episodes, I've talked about how there's like 30%. Uh, I, I think for the article and I can find it, but like once we hit 30, the incidence of like having a hernia disc or some sort of degener degeneration in our spine actually increases with every decade in age. And which means that also there's a larger group of people who can have these diagnoses, these things via MRI and have no pain. And then there's going to people be people who have these MRIs and they're going to be in such unrelenting pain, kind of like what Santana is. And so a large part of it is not just saying, okay, here's this MRI, but does this MRI match the symptoms, the pain that this person is going through and what can we do to really maximize uh, the results. And I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to get that care that you really needed. Yeah, yeah I, I am too. And I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I, I, there's a, two things I want to touch on. The first thing was, this is kind of really, it's related, but it's a little different is that I just remember scrolling through so many Facebook group posts about people that were dealing with the pain around the world and just all their situations. And I'm like, wow, like mine is really terrible, this pain. But you had mothers, single mothers, who had newborns who were with living with this pain, trying to take care of a baby or just all types of people who could not, who had to be at work, whose bosses were saying, and it's an invisible type of pain. Like I looked healthy. I looked, and I, it, when people see you, they don't, they don't know how bad it really is. And I think that's also something that don't get discouraged. If you listen to student that extreme pain, like understand they're in that case, literally misery loves company. Like you're miserable. And you just want to know that this is something that's not normal, but it's normal. I and mean, it was just all types of people, situations. And it's really common. And most of us were, you know, thirties and up, but there was a lot of young people like, Oh, I've had this issue since I was 16, 15. And it's, it's wild. So everyone is vastly different. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And you brought up a really great point about the concept that this pain is invisible. Um, I, um, one of my earlier episodes, I was interviewing a pharmacist and we were talking about, cause this pharmacist was also all about, um, the use of antioxidants and using natural remedies as well to help modulate pain. But one of the most challenging yes. things about pain itself is that you can't really see it. Um, and it's an experience. It's something that you are, you yourself are experiencing. And the reality yes. is the fact that we can really, we can, we, we don't have to show it. Um, we, 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 because of the fact that there's unlike blood sugar, where you do a blood test and you get what is called your A1C, where it's like how, how much, um, how long you've been having high levels of blood sugar, there's no true objective measurement. And the best thing that we could do as clinicians and even as people to be able to quantify it as an approach it on a scientific way is to go on the scale of zero to 10 in regards to the pain that you're experiencing. That's really the best that we can do. We can also use outcome measures, which is like, okay, how, how well can you function with your pain? But, and, but ultimately the pain that you're experiencing is very unique to yourself. And I think what you did a fantastic job of doing Santana was identifying your, 
you were saying I'm in, I'm in this pain and you were taking the action steps for it. But also I think it's really easy for people. Um, those, those, those mothers and, and parents and people who, uh, pe- pe- everyone, like everyone, it's easy for us to be able to push past that pain and kind of get on with our life because that's one of the cool things. That's one of the cool things about us as humans is the fact that our brains can really override and allow us to one experience pain, but also get the stuff done that we need to get done, yeah. which is because we can innovate. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. Exactly. Because in some cases we can get some beautiful things done, but then at, but at sometimes at the cost of making you be in more pain. And so it is important that, um, and I think you did a fantastic job of just saying like, I'm still in pain. This isn't working. This is hurting really bad. And you, you sought out all the resources, um, available to you to be able to say like, I I need help. And, uh, I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to go through, um, this surgery because I mean, from compared to the last time that we spoke, um, you definitely seem like you're in a much better spot than, that now yes. you saw everything yeah you saw the journey i would check in with you absolutely and like like i said today i'm being 100 interested like i went hiking through the rainforest yesterday and through the rivers because i do the most so me and my cousins and that's just our thing we love to do that and so you know we went through the forest and had a great time and we're climbing rocks we're falling in mud and like we were all joking because my cousin's 40 my friend sam who with us he's 43 and my cousin's boyfriend is 25. So we're like, whatever, dude, talk to us in eight years. Right. And so we're all laughing like, oh, tomorrow we're gonna have to take some Bengue or take some, you know, and I wake up this morning. I'm like, oh shit. Like, it's just my language. I was like my left side that I never have pain with. It's just feeling a little sore. And so maybe offline, I just have a question for you about what I can maybe do to maybe offset that. And so I have to really not get in my head. I'm not an anxious person. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious about climate change and, and you know, tsunamis and natural disasters because basically ruined our planet, but whatever. But I'm not anxious about things. I don't fret, but I do have to reel myself in when I start feeling any sorts of pains in that area. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, is it filled back syndrome? I've heard that at three months, that should be the marker of your progression. I'm coming up on three months in a month and I'm like, okay, uh, how will I be feeling in a month? And that is something that I am pretty vigilant about. And I really have to remind myself that this is pain is just not hundred percent gone away. Mm-hmm. And it's not an indication of failure, back, back surgery failure, but I have to be vigilant. Dude, it's yeah. kind of scary for the rest of my life. I've changed my whole, this isn't just like some people get it. Like, Oh, I feel great. And they go back to the same stuff. Like I don't do heavy, heavy bags anymore. Forget it. I go to the beach. I'm not bringing my speaker. I'm not bringing a big bottle of conditioner. I'm not, I'm traveling light. I'm, you know, putting my backpack on. I'm not, I'm not bending over even past six weeks, the rest of my life. Forget it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I think when, one of the big things is like when you're living in pain for such a long period of time, um, for you, it was more, it was more than five months. I mean, you will take into account even the episodes that you've had even before 2022. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. It's been years. It's been years. And the body creates these safeguards as a way to protect you from causing more damage. <laughs> um, it's just like, um, like an example, I have, uh, I have a, I have a huge fear of the dark. Um, and so the thing is, oh, really? I do. Yeah. And that, that's why I, I practice martial arts and get strong and everything. So then that way, anything that approaches me in the dark, granted that it's just me, like the, like when I'm just alone in my house, I just, uh, and, and it doesn't help that I watch the uh, horror movies at nighttime too, but, um, 
But yeah, I love that you said that though. Can I, I love that you yeah. said that because when I was young, I was also very terrified of the dark. And I think sometimes it's, and we know it's illogical, right? But I think that we, we don't really allow ourselves grace to realize that sometimes we have past life traumas or experiences, or we're holding DNA trauma experiences that maybe our ancestors had at a very dark places. And so those things can be hard to work through, even though you're like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's like, and I mean, not only just from like a biomechanical standpoint, but also just from what we call the psychological, I mean, you're like all, the pain and the fears that we have are very real. They're, they're there to protect us. And so what I often say is like, when you're having like these residuals, residual pains or these things that talk to us, um, you're doing a really great job of being more vigilant. And it is important for us to be able to say like, okay, well, what are we going to be doing? I think it's important for us to identify what are those triggers? What are we doing that could be irritating? And you are making these life changes. And what's really yes. cool is the fact that as you're making these changes, you're going to start to really, it's going to be hard now because everything is so new, but what's going to be really great is as you practice this, it's going to be transitioning from like a habit into what I call a behavior where you are just going to do it naturally. And yes, it's going to take um, it takes about six weeks for a habit to form, but maybe about six to 12 weeks for that habit to change into a behavior. And, and, and that those behaviors happen actually regardless of how tired, how stressed, or how fatigued you are, uh, excuse me, fatigued yeah. you are. And um, really uh, like now at this point, we're, we're looking at uh, just listening to our, our body's cues. It's so easy for us to push through. You were in the military and you transition into one of the most stressful jobs being in the food industry. And, um, you really had no choice in your occupation, but to forge ahead. Um, and so now you're at a point where it's like, okay, you've gone through this experience and, uh, you're going to be more aware of what you do. And, um, it's, it's great. It's unfortunate you had to go through this journey, but I'm so glad that you're able to, you know, uh, to, to, to manage this. So let's look at the, let's look at the future, right? You said you're, you're about to hit your three month post-op uh, anniversary. Um, let's yeah. talk about the future. What are you looking most forward to now that you have, ha that you are able to have this under control and the, the world is opened up because when you're in pain, the first goal that you need to do is get out of pain, right? Once you have that, the doors are open. What does the future look like for you, Santana? The future looks like what it has. I don't want to say like the past. It sounds so like backwards, but it does. It looks like what my life has always been. Like, I feel like I'm coming back to myself, like working as a chef, being able to get on a plane without stress, being terrified of like, oh, how, how painful is this flight going to be? Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the strength that I'm, that I'll find in the new workout routines and health, uh, standards that I've set for myself. I really have prioritized my, I always have, but I feel like I'm really prioritizing it. So I'm looking forward to that. It's getting those, those new habits to really stick and be a part of my lifestyle and, um, just go going forward and not being afraid of what my body might do to me or feel like it might be betraying me. Cause that's how you feel. You feel like, your body is betraying you and it's just, it gets, it can get really dark and really sad when your body's in so much pain. It's insane where it can take you. So I'm looking forward to just being back to my normal self, which I feel like to be honest in the last month, I've been able to do that. I think leaving my mom, being with my mom was incredible. Like she took such good care of me. Her home is so comfortable and just peaceful. And it was really like a true treasure. So coming back, going to New York, going to work, coming here, getting back into the forest, 
those are all the things I look forward to. And I'm really grateful every single day. I like checking with my body in a way I've always been really in tune, but I feel like I really check in now in a way that I didn't before. And I, it won't stop. It's just for life. And that's what I look forward to so much. Awesome. I'm really excited for you. I, I can't wait for all the amazing things that you're going to be able to accomplish. Um, moving forward. So this is really great. Um, Santana, if you'd like, um, I know that you have some really great projects going on. Um, I think that you have some really cool cooking opportunities. Would you like to share that with, uh, the listeners of what you got going on? Sure. So my Instagram, Twitter, all the socials, except for, uh, TikTok. I recently got on TikTok, not really for fun or pleasure. It's more for work. And I don't find myself on there a lot. I really do feel like an overwhelmed geriatric millennial on there. And I just like, but I'm really active on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I really just like stalk people's tweets and laugh. I don't get involved in conversations, but I'm very active on Instagram in my stories and my posts. I'm often showing recipes, step-by-step food tips, my, all my nature adventures. Um, if you go into the link in my bio actually right now, um, I have a, I have a pop-up coming up in Brooklyn, September 4th. It's a pickup to go pop up a lot of really dope, special Puerto Rican food, drinks, desserts. So if you're in New York, check out the link in the bio. If you go to my Instagram profile, I also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash I'll cook like your mother. I'll cook like your mother's in the name of my, my business for years. So if you just Google, I'll cook like your mother, I come up. Um, and so I offer private cooking classes. I do corporate zoom cooking classes. I do all types of things, anything related to food and cooking. I also have a podcast coming out. I'll cook like your mother podcast. Yes. It's all food and cooking based. And it's uh, I have different guests and everyone has different, they come from different industries and backgrounds, but we all have food in common. We all love to cook. And each episode has very different topics. I have a really, I'll just give a preview of one um, coming up. It's an ode to New York episode. And so I'll have some of my favorite New Yorkers, talking about their food experiences, growing up, things they love, places that have closed, things that they still go to eat, cheap spots. So it's all food-based and I'm really excited. It hasn't come out yet. I'm actually editing the first episode. It's, you know, learning curve and I'm, I'm good with this kind of stuff. So it's gonna, and I, when I'm, when my head's in something, it goes. So look for that. But yeah, mostly on Instagram, you'll find me, reach out. You can email me if you have any culinary inquiries around. Very, very cool. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, food is uh, definitely one of the reasons why I do everything that I do, aside from loving my job, but definitely yes. I, I love eating. So I'm really, I'm looking forward to that podcast. Um, for you listeners, if you want to get in touch with Santana, I'm actually going to put her contact information into the show notes. So go ahead and take a look at that. And Santana, thank you so much again for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Oh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for your upcoming success. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.